0: Hello and welcome back to the Vol Report Show. I'm Ryan Sylvia, Assistant Managing Editor at VolReport.com on the Rivals Network. And today I'm going to be flying solo. Normally here on Thursdays we would talk with an expert of Tennessee football's opponent for that week. But Tennessee's got Austin Peay on the schedule, so I took it into my own hands. Watched Austin Peay's first game of the season against Southern Illinois that they played on Saturday Took some notes, broke down the film, and I'm going to let you guys know exactly what to expect from Austin P. Of course, the game shouldn't be too competitive. Uh, it, it should be a very lopsided win for Tennessee, but still interesting to see exactly what Austin P is going to want to do on both sides of the ball, what they're capable of, who their players are to look out for, and, and everything along those lines. So let's jump into it without any further ado. Let's go over what happened last saturday austin p took a trip to southern illinois to open up the season and things got ugly pretty quick for the governors this score sat at 28 to nothing heading into halftime got as bad as 42 to 3 late in the third quarter if we look over at the box score it's going to be quarterback mike mike De, mike DeLille, mike DeLiello? I'm sorry, I'm definitely pronouncing that wrong, but we're going to roll with it. 20 for 34, completion uh, rate there, 214 yards, 6.3 average, two touchdowns, two interceptions. Also fumbled the ball once, so three turnovers for Mike. Rushing the ball, C.J. Evans Jr., eight carries for 30 yards, a long of 10. He punched it in once. Javon Jackson, seven carries, 26 yards. He had a long of 12. Receiving, Cam Thomas was your leading receiver, five receptions, 72 yards, one touchdown along a 41. Kenny Odom, four receptions, 66 yards along a 44. Both of those guys found the end zone for the only two touchdown receptions of the game. But those stats don't mean too much without painting the full picture of what exactly does Austin P want to do? What formations do they have? What do they like to do on offense? So let's jump into kind of the more specifics about this governor's team. Let's start on the defense side of the ball as well. The base defense that Austin P is going to run is going to be a 3-3 nickel. That means they're going to have three defensive linemen, three linebackers, and five defensive backs. However, they they have a guy that is listed as a linebacker, but most of the time you're going to see him up on the line of scrimmage. He, He plays that kind of Leo position where he drops back into coverage as a linebacker, but a lot of the times he's going to be standing upright on the line of scrimmage and pressuring the quarterback, similar to Byron Young last year, to Roman Harrison this year, that that type of player, that's going to be Hosea Knifeley, number 10 if you're looking out for him on Saturday. Really solid player from from what we saw, versatile guy. Uh, You have to be to play at that position where you, you show pressure on the line, blitz the quarterback, but the next thing you know, you're dropping back into coverage as well. You, you have to be an athletic, versatile guy. But that, that, that was kind of the, yeah. the differential factor. It's sometimes you look at them and it's like, is that a 4-2, uh, what exactly is happening? It, it's typically going to be a 3-3 nickel, though, with those five defensive backs. Not exactly what Tennessee runs with the 4-2 nickel, but pretty similar, uh, very similar concept. They're not afraid to stack the box on short-distance downs, though, one play that stood out to me. Fourth and two at the positive 37 for Southern Illinois. And, of course, they're not splitting out too many guys in this situation. The Offensively, they wanted to direct uh, kind of traffic up the middle. Three guys split out wide uh, at wide receiver. Those guys uh, man defense on them out on the perimeter. All eight other players, though, were very stacked in the box. I'm not even talking about a safety that's kind of sitting high. I mean, they were they were there and ready to try to get that stop. They, they end up not getting the stop on that play, but that also shows they're, they're not completely set on, on their base defense necessarily. They're willing to adjust to what the other team's doing. But for the most part, I think that nickel defense kind of protected them from a lot of big plays from Southern Illinois. That, of course, that score kind of got out of hand in Southern Illinois, didn't necessarily have a tough time on offense, but a lot of their drives were long play, take some time off the clock, uh, high play count type of drives, just pushing the ball down the field. There was a couple that they broke loose, broke a tackle, or, or there was a really, really nice throw late in that game as well for a big touchdown pass, but a lot of the time that kind of softer, secondary just kept everything in front of them. Yeah, you got 11, but we didn't give up the touchdown that play type of deal. So it's going to be different when Tennessee is your opponent rather than Southern Illinois, you can play whatever defense you want. You can drop back into whatever protections and Tennessee shouldn't have much of an issue, uh, whether it's the first second or third unit hitting on plays down the field whenever they want to. But Austin P is kind of prepared and showed at least the last Saturday that their strategy a lot of the time is to play a little bit looser, kind of protect that shell, not let anyone get behind them. So it'll be interesting to see uh, kind of how that turns out. But but that's what Southern – or, excuse me, Austin Peay's defense is going to look like. Some names to look out for. I talked about Hosea, their linebacker, who who likes to stand up on the defensive line. He's a guy. They had two preseason all-conference guys as well. The linebacker Corey Chapman, who was their leading tackler last year, returns this season he's number six like I said linebacker another linebacker number eight Tyler Long another preseason all-conference guy so that linebacker room it's got some guys in it uh, we'll see how they do against the the competition this Saturday but definitely not any scrubs or anything in that linebacker rotation they, they've got some solid players there that can make an impact let's turn over to the offense though what was very interesting to me about Austin Peay's offense was the formations were very similar to Tennessee's talking about splitting out wide receivers wide to the boundary, talking about quarterback in the shotgun with the running back at his hip, very similar looks to Tennessee. I'm not saying they ran tempo necessarily. I'm not saying they ran the same plays as Tennessee, but the concepts when you look at it on paper had guys in very similar positions. I mean, talking about having your wide receivers pass the numbers on both sides, pretty much stand out of bounds, uh, having your slot maybe a little bit inside the numbers, splitting out four guys, uh, getting a little funky. It, it was very similar to the stuff that Tennessee likes to do, which, which I thought was really interesting. Uh, like I said, even the quarterback, Tennessee, it's where they take a snap from under center. That was similar to Austin P. I don't particularly remember a play where they went under center. It was a lot of quarterback in the shotgun. He's got his running back at either hip, and, and let's see what they do. They weren't afraid to go with a 10 personnel a lot of the time, uh, meaning that they didn't have a tight end on the field, uh, and they had their kind of two wide receivers on either end and, and played it like that, which is something Tennessee kind of does. Uh, you'll, you'll see it occasionally. A lot of the time when Tennessee does that, it's splitting out their tight end, which they did as well with Jordan Goko, their only – all con preseason guy on the offensive side of the ball where they split him out as well That that's something you'll see tennessee do too where they have the four receivers split off the offensive line stretching the field uh, but one of those guys is going to be your tight end like i said jordan gilko for austin p looking at the offensive line had a lot of air raid principles in the way they set up very spread out kind of forming that v which which pretty much that, that, that's very basic across all offensive philosophies, but just looked very Mike Leach air raid to me when I was watching with the way they were spaced out on the offensive line. Not saying it's an air raid system they run, but it, it was the, the way the offensive line was set up did kind of remind me of that. Uh, didn't do the best job of protection at times, kind of gave up pressure on three-man rushes on a few occasions, which you just can't do. Quarterback was running for his life a few times. Kind of tightened it up in the second half a little bit when they went on their first touchdown drive. There's a lot of big gaps that those running backs were running through, uh, picking up 10 yards or whatever it was and helping move those chains. So they kind of got their grip as the game went on. But there is a few times where that offensive line was Swiss cheese and defensive line were kind of firing their way in there. And unfortunately for the quarterback, he was taking some sacks because of it. As well. Some of the times it was like, "I, you got to get rid of the ball here. Uh, I know you're trying to make a play on third and 15, but you've had eight seconds uh, running around in the pocket. You got to make a decision, and he would end up getting sacked. But a lot of it too was not fully that quarterback's fault. Now it's kind of the storyline on his turnovers as well. I said earlier, two interceptions and a fumble. Well, the first interception, I mean, just put it on the guy, and bounced out of his hands and into a defensive back's hands. You're not going to blame the quarterback on that one. Oh, it was an over-the-middle little stick route, and it just one that that receiver is going to want back. <laughs> Let's just say that because it should have been a catch and, and should have kept that offense rolling down the field, but instead it, it gave Southern Illinois some great field position very quickly in that game. The last pick, though, in, in his receiver's defenses, I guess – Horrible throw. I mean, a terrible throw from from the quarterback over at Austin P. One that, like I said, the the receiver wanted that first one back. Quarterback for Austin P. wants that second one back because because it was a very strange decision he made, and it was quickly taken the other way. His fumble though, he he was sitting in the pocket, got hit from the blind side pretty quickly. Another situation where maybe you say, "Hey, you gotta feel that pressure," or maybe it's a situation where your, your line needs to protect you a little bit from your blind side and you need to kind of help your guy out there. So that was his three turnovers. I would say one definitely his fault, one definitely not his fault. And you can kind of make an argument either way on feeling pressure compared to it's your blind side. What do you really want him to do there? So uh, up and down performance from, from the Austin P quarterback at the end of the day. But that's all good and fun. What does it mean for Tennessee? Well, What does this mean for the Vols? What should we expect the Vols to do against this? I expect Tennessee to be very basic in their approach on both sides of the ball. Not put too much on film for other teams. Of course, you want to put a lot of film for yourself, especially uh, on the defensive end now with Keenan Peeley. Injured, we'll talk about that soon. But you, you want, at least on the offensive end, we'll, we'll start there. You're going to play a basic, similar to what they did against Virginia on Saturday. It's a game you're going to win. You don't need to do anything crazy to, to pick up yards, to even hit on these big plays and, and to propel your offense down the field. You just want to send your guys out there to go and execute it. And run up that score pretty early, and I think that's what Tennessee should be able to do. They're, they're not going to break the bank. They're not going to do anything absurd that we haven't seen before, test anything out. I was even a little surprised against Virginia that they debuted that kind of option play where he, he taught, Joe Milton tossed it over to Dylan Sampson, something that we saw a little bit at practice, but we hadn't seen much in games, so, so of course other teams. Weren't maybe privy to that being an option for Tennessee. They put that on film in Week One, which I thought was a little interesting. I don't think we'll get anything even remotely as crazy as that uh, in this Austin P game. It it should be a lot of, at least at first, running the football. I I expect them to similar like they did against Virginia. Give the ball to Jalen Wright, let him pick up a bunch of yards in a cloud of dust, and I mean I. When we were watching that that first drive for Tennessee against Virginia, there was a little bit there where it was like, are they just going to feed Jalen Wright all the way to the end zone? It was five, four or five plays in a row where they just gave it to Jalen Wright and he would pick up 15 yards, move the chains, and they got it going that way. Of course, got stopped a little bit at the end, fourth and five situation, and they had to convert there. But I expect a similar start for Tennessee. Let Joe Milton hand it off. Let – Jalen Wright get his yards, Jabari Small get his yards, Dylan Sampson get his yards, dominate the game on the ground, protect your guys, and move on from there. However, I think it's a different story once you get your backups in. Once Nico comes in, once Caleb Webb, Chaz Nimrod, uh, Nathan Leacock, whoever else you want to slide into the game, Ethan Davis, once they come in, I I think that you start to throw the ball. It's a a backwards mindset almost where most of the time it's you throw the ball at first, you take that big lead, and then you take your foot off the gas and you just kind of run the clock out. I think it's going to be a little bit of an opposite against Austin P. Talking about Joe Milton, I'm not saying he's going to throw the ball eight times. He'll he'll have a share of touchdown passes. He'll have a share of shots down the field, and, and he'll be able to air the ball out enough. But I think overall the game plan is going to be let's get that ground game going. Nico's in the game, not because it's disrespectful that you want to throw the ball, but just you want to give him a chance to finally put himself on tape. I think he only threw the ball three times against Virginia. First game, I'm not saying that they need to use him more in that situation and that you're disappointed uh, that he only threw it three times because you just kind of want to get his career rolling, uh, especially uh, not at home. It, It was a home game in Nashville. where. I'm not oblivious to that, but it's not in your home stadium. Things are a little different. He hasn't played there before. He's had those scrimmages in Neyland Stadium. He played in the Orange and White game for fans at Neyland Stadium. I think that they're going to get him rolling a little bit. They're going to try to get him to target Ethan Davis, uh, those freshman and redshirt freshman wide receivers that I just talked about as well. I think they're going to want to try to get Nico rolling a little bit. You hope you don't need him this year, right? You theoretically this is all for next year and, and when he should take over the team as a sophomore. However, th- there is a situation where Joe Milton could go down with an injury and Nico's gonna be your QB2 and he's going to be that guy that's gonna have to step up. So you want him to have those real game reps. It's Austin P, Austin P might have their backups in at that point, but you want those real game reps because that is irreplaceable. That's not something that you can replicate in practice necessarily, even in an origin and white game necessarily. It's going to be a crazy atmosphere. I think fans are going to stick around past halftime just to see Nico. I mean, you heard that Nissan Stadium, them chanting his name when he gets on the field. It's going to be like a, a must-watch thing. All right, Nico's first time at home. Uh, see what he can do. And I think it's going to be more this time than handoff to Clefa Keith, handoff to Cam Selvin, push down the field, end up scoring a touchdown. Like I said, I don't think that – they're going to be running anything crazy, but I think they're going to let Nico throw the ball a little bit, and it'll be really interesting to see what he does, and I think it'll be very beneficial for his growth specifically uh, as he moves forward and, and kind of gets that more film uh, to be able to watch more areas that he can adjust at. But let's talk about the defensive side of the ball. Uh, ex- excuse the the dog barking right here, but uh, it's Okay. <laughs> Um, but let's talk about the defensive side of the ball. I want to talk about the, the new, uh, I, I want to talk about the new news of Keenan Peely and his injury. That's going to hold him out for a little bit. Uh, we don't know the exact time frame right now the hypo said is not going to be the season should expect him back at some point however there's a lot of games that you'll wish you'll have them for very soon on the schedule where that timetable is probably not going to match up that he'll be ready for talking about a florida week three a utsa week four a south carolina week five you look ahead to to even texas a&m alabama kentucky where does he fit back in in that mix is he ready to go Uh, Right away, do you want to give him a pitch count? It'll be interesting to see what happens with that. But it's going to open up an opportunity for the linebackers behind him, those younger guys, to make a big impact. And I think that this game against Austin P. will be a big tell to exactly who it's going to be that's going to replace him and get these snaps. It should be a group effort, but it'll be interesting to see who stands out in this Austin P. game course aaron carter is going to be your biggest name aaron carter been working more at the uh, weak side linebacker position behind aaron beasley rather than middle linebacker behind uh, keenan peely but i think that they're going to need to get versatile in some spots they're going to need these guys to be able to play both sides with the injury of peely so i expect aaron carter to get some run the biggest name elijah herring sophomore was training behind Keenan Peely. That is his natural position over at middle linebacker. I expect him to, to probably get that start on Saturday, uh, first start of his career. We'll see exactly where Hypo wants to go with that. We'll talk to him on Thursday. Maybe he'll give us a little bit of an insight on what they're thinking about doing there. But he's listed as that backup at the middle linebacker position, and he's had a really good start to his career, whether you're talking about last year as a freshman or beginning – Uh, His campaign on Saturday against Virginia He's been impressive to start things off So it it should be interesting to see Exactly who gets that starting job I think it'll be Elijah Herring But he's going to have to make a quick impact If he wants to kind of stick in that spot I expect it to be him heading into Florida as well But he's got to be able to step in And show that he deserves it This young in his career Shows that they can trust him And it'll be interesting to see exactly what he puts on tape, exactly the numbers he puts up against Austin P, and, and kind of the leadership that he shows. Because that, that's a position there in the middle of the offense or, excuse me, middle of the defense where you need to show that you know what's going on too. It's not just that you're playing well. It's can you direct some other guys around. You'll have Aaron Beasley with you uh, in the middle, but you've got to take some some of that yourself and be able to point some guys in the right direction. So it'll be interesting to see if he can do that as well, other guys are going to have to step up Caleb Perry, uh, Jeremiah, Jeremiah Tlander, uh, Jalen Smith, just some names off the top of your head. A lot of those guys, freshmen that uh, Caleb Perry, sophomore, that are going to be bumped up one spot in the reserve role. Uh, maybe you were buried three deep before. Well, now you're two deep type of situation. So those guys are also going to have to show off on Saturday and prove that they deserve to get their reps, get their rotations going, and and really be trusted as as this season takes off into some tougher competition, even on the road. I think it's a big deal that Florida game's on the road, uh, especially for some of these young guys, because it's going to be the first true road environment that a lot of them will play in, and it'll be interesting to see how they handle that, and it all starts at home with Austin P. I want to talk a little special teams as well, though. I think it's a tough situation for Tennessee. Jackson Ross, Tennessee's punter, not the best showing week one. Everyone knows it. I don't want to pile on or anything like that, but he's he's capable of being a much better player for the Vols. For him to reach that potential, the first thing you think is, well, he needs reps. He, he needs to continue to grow in game action. Hypo said, Hey, not what we expected from him. I understand the issues, but not what we expected from him, not what we've seen him do in practice. So is the issue, the atmosphere, the, the crowd, the situation, the pressure? If it is, you want him to get more used to that and get accustomed to playing in that atmosphere in front of a lot of fans. Well, you're going to have a sold-out game in front of Austin P to, to put in some work. The issue is, how often are you punting in that game? There's been games last year or, or under Hypo that Tennessee hasn't punted the ball. Paxton Brooks would sit on the sideline the whole time just watching. Austin P could be a similar situation where you want to get him in, you want to get him some reps, but you're not going to slow down the offense to make sure that happens. So it'll be interesting to see how much he actually sees the field on Saturday, how much... Or how many kicks he actually gets to boot as a punter, and to see what he does if he does get those opportunities. Because I think he's probably got a decently short leash right now. I don't think they're confident going to Josh Turbyville as the backup. Uh, I don't think that that's what they want to do. But if you're punting the ball twenty yards and it's going out of bounds, something's got to change. So it'll. It'll be uh, something to look out for on Saturday to see exactly what he does. And then you also have to look at Turbyville on the kickoff unit, uh, booted two out of bounds. They're giving Virginia a good field position. So just stuff that you can get away with it against Austin Peay. You can get away with it against Virginia. But if those are still issues heading into the swamp, Tennessee's going to lose that football game. Tennessee's a much better team than Florida. I don't expect Tennessee to lose that game. But if you're giving Florida field position repeatedly very deep in Tennessee territory, that's a tough game to win. So that's something to look out for. How are those guys going to respond? D. Williams fumbled as well. I I think that was more of just a circumstance thing. I'm not worried about that. I think that uh, that could also play that does remember that that could play into some of those reps for the offense though. I mean, Who's to say D. Williams doesn't return a punt or two or a kick or two? He nearly did it against Virginia. We know we can do it against the best of the best. There might be some offensive possessions Tennessee's missing uh, this weekend as well with D. Williams in the return game. So th- those are the things that I'm looking out for. I-, I hope this was informative for you. I'm not an Austin P expert. Um, I-, I watched, like I said, their film against South or Southern Illinois and I'm, I'm basing my observations off of that, their first game of the year that did not go their way. Normally, we will have an expert next week. Florida will have the same schedule where on Thursdays, we'll talk to a member of Florida's rival staff, and they'll give us everything we need to know in great detail about that team and how they expect that to go. But make sure you head over to ValReport.com for all of our written content as we prepare to keep this thing rolling into week two and throughout the rest of the season. We've had some, some fun content coming out. John Campbell Jr. punishing that linebacker for Virginia, uh, detailed what his teammates had to say. Uh, we have Noah Taylor doing some content as well that's been really fun to read. So make sure you head over there, grab yourself a subscription read everything you need on the Rocky Top Forum. Thank you guys for listening, whether it's on YouTube or over on Spotify, over on Apple. We appreciate your ears or your eyes or however you are viewing this content. It means a lot. And thank you guys for watching.